So it's early in the morning and the alarm clock goes off at some unholy time and you leap from bed and you're stood there looking in the mirror. And if you're anything like me, in fact if you're built like me, that's not a pretty sight, I've got to tell you. But nonetheless, with thoughts going through your mind about what the day ahead has in store, you have a decision to make. And that decision, simply put, is what on earth are you going to wear? Now for some of us, that just takes a few moments. Others of us, it takes a little longer. But it's a ritual uh, that we all have to go through day after day after day. It's been the same for, well, since time began. Trousers, skirts, suits, blouses, jumpers, shirts, t-shirts, jeans, sweatshirts. Will she like it? Will she approve? Will he like it? Will it fit? Is it suitable for whatever you're going to be doing? These things just tumble through your mind each and every morning. And of course, uh, for those of us who have children... We know only too well that there are other added arguments to bear in mind. They have to be Adidas or Puma or Reebok. When I was a kid, Dunlop specials were fine. It's no good now. And of course, those of us who are fathers will have uttered those famous, in fact, infamous words. That skirt's far too short, my girl. You'll catch your death of cold. But the truth is that clothing is important. Oh, not just for warmth and protection, and not merely for the sake of decency. Clothes say something about who we are, and perhaps more importantly, about who we would want to be. Have a look at the person sat next to you in church today and examine what they're wearing. Make no comments, please. (laughs) Clothes are important. The way we're attired and what we look like is important. Now, it's little wonder then that the biblical writers often used illustrations of clothing to make a point. In Genesis 37, Joseph was given a coat of many colours because he was his father's favourite son. In Exodus 39, priests are depicted as wearing special clothing with unique ornaments and special jewellery. In Luke 15, Jesus himself speaks of giving the prodigal son the very best robe and sandals upon his feet as a sign of the youngster's acceptance back into the fold. In times of grief, there's tearing of one's clothes. And in times of sorrow, wearing of sackcloth and ashes was an expression of sorrowful repentance. Time and time and time again in Scripture, kinds of clothing, its style, indeed its quality, are used to describe a person or indeed to illustrate their position and to explain their circumstances. Yet, the biblical image of clothing goes much deeper than that. 
It goes much further than the garments that we wear. When I was a little boy, I was once, when I was a little boy, my mum was a real pain. And on Sunday, I had to wear a suit to church. All my pals had jeans and t-shirts. And do you remember crombie overcoats? Oh, yeah, with, with the handkerchief in the... Uh, anybody else sad? Yeah. But I had to wear a suit and it had short trousers. I hated the thing. Yeah, bonfire night was good in our house. <laughs> yeah. Now we, as disciples, are called upon to wear the right clothes. We are called upon to put on fresh clothing of new life. The prophet Isaiah speaks of garments of praise, garments of salvation. Isaiah 61 verse 10 that we read has the prophet rejoicing. For God has clothed him in robes of righteousness. Or as the New International Version puts it, arrayed him in garments of salvation. Now this morning, before you came to church, what did you select from the wardrobe? Did you select a garment of salvation? They don't sell them in m The only way that we can receive, the only way that we can be entitled to wear those garments are of and from God. And if we put our faith and trust in a living Lord Jesus Christ, then we can, no, we must clothe our lives appropriately in that which is of and from God. Now perhaps the Apostle Paul made it a little bit clearer in his letter to the Galatians. And we read together and he said that true believers through baptism are exhorted to put on Christ. To put on Christ like a a new set of clothes. If anything, true discipleship is about choosing the right form of spiritual clothing. It's about being clothed in a risen saviour, Jesus Christ. Now you say to me, Simon, that's all well and good. I realise only too well that as a Christian believer, as a true disciple, I have a need to act properly, to dress my life appropriately. And my response to that is, yes, amen. Of course we're called to decency and right living. And as we sit in church on a Sunday morning in the God slot, it's easy to acknowledge that. But how will you feel tomorrow when you're in the bus queue and it starts to rain? When you get to the train station and you want to catch the ten past eight and you get there just in time to see it leave the end of the platform. How will you feel tomorrow when the washing machine leaks all over the kitchen floor? When the children pray up? When you set your VCR to record Emmerdale and you end up with a rerun of Sky at Night? How will you feel then? And we all get moments like that, don't we? Apparently not. (laughs) We all get moments like that. It's part of life's journey. 
We all get knockbacks at times. We all get times when things get on top of us. Times when, hey, we don't want to get out of bed in the morning, leave alone put on the right clothes. And it's at times like that that our faith is tested, perhaps tested to the limits. For though we're Christian people, though we might profess faith in a risen Lord Jesus Christ, the stresses and strains of life that hit other people are just the same to us. A few years ago, when my dear old mum passed away, and she went to paradise... I remember being absolutely astonished. In fact, uh, uh, I was somewhat enraged, and maybe use words that I shouldn't have used, when somebody came to see me and said, I'm so sorry to hear about your dear mum. Of course, it's not so bad for you in your line of work. <laughs> I can't tell you what I responded, by the way. It doesn't work like that. The challenges of life that explode for other people will explode for us. We may be regular churchgoers, we may indeed be committed Christians, but pain in life is still pain in life and sorrow is still sorrow. But the difference comes with the knowledge that we are clothed with an inner strength from God. A God who empowers us. A God who inspires us. A God who enables us to cope with the downsides of life. And Jesus said, we will be clothed with power from on high. And scripture identifies so wonderfully that that power is God himself in the form of the Holy Spirit. Now it doesn't matter if outwardly we are tired in the finest threads that money can buy. Similarly, it doesn't matter if we're the hardest working church person, church worker that there is. If in our hearts we don't have a right relationship with God. Oh, the outer image may be rosy. But it's the inner image that's important. God looks on the outside and says, yes, they'll do. But then he looks on the inside. And it's inside that's important. It's our inner clothing that God views. It's our inner beings that God is interested in. But that's okay. As individuals. But what about us as a fellowship? What about our corporate image? Our image as a church? Let me ask a question. Does the internal reality match the external publicity? Does the inner reality match the external publicity. You know, one thing that I am sure of is that the only way to achieve growth and the spread of the gospel in this or in any other place is through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And unless we, as a church, are fully committed to the guidance of the Holy Spirit through dedicated prayer and a devoted Bible study life, such growth is impossible. And unless we seek empowerment through the Holy Spirit, unless we seek the power and wisdom and the strength of God in our work and witness, we will surely flounder. In short, the church that's on its knees in prayer, seeking God's will and way, is the church that will surge forward in its ongoing mission. And that's why it's important. Well, actually, it's not important. It's vital that we come together as one to pray together. That we come together regularly, on our knees, before God, seeking his will and his way and his wisdom. Oh, you say, we've got a minister for that. I've got news for you, friends. Our minister is a human being. He's not God. Some of them strut around as if they are. Thank goodness ours doesn't. He's a human being. And he needs our support and our love and our encouragement, as we all do. But we need to join him and our elders and our church leadership team in prayer, seeking the will and way and the wisdom of God. By the way, I think there's a prayer meeting on Thursday, isn't there? Who's coming? Oh, now that's sad. Come early, friends. Be sure of getting a seat. On our own as individuals, or corporately as a church, we are nothing if we are not clothed in Christ, both outwardly and inwardly. In short, throughout our very being, throughout each and every aspect of our lives. Let me ask you that question again. Does the internal reality match the external publicity? Are we inside what we say we are outside? And it's my prayer that the answer to that question is a very sure and a very positive and a very firm yes. That we are indeed clothed in Christ. That members, visitors, friends, adherents, passers-by see Christ through us that they see Christ in our outward witness and feel and know the presence of Christ in our inward work, in all that we are and in all that we do, throughout all of our activities, not just in the God slot on a Sunday morning, but throughout every moment of every day, whether it's church meeting, elders meeting, house groups, prayer meetings, coffee mornings, washing up or sweeping the floor. Make all things be done prayerfully to the glory of God. And may we be constantly clothed in Christ and saturated in the Holy Spirit. May the blessings of God reign upon us in this church and in this community. That's a dream. And the only way that that dream can and will be fulfilled, yes, will be fulfilled, is if we prayerfully seek God's will and way and blessing upon us.
You know, the young Italian uh, experimenter whose name I have trouble pronouncing, bear with me, was Giulielmo Marconi. Giulielmo Marconi. He was the inventor of the radio. And he was convinced, in fact, he was sure that sound never died, that it lived on forever. And he believed that if only he could build a radio receiver powerful enough, well, he could tune into its never-ending signal forever. And furthermore, he would tell people that if he got it right, if he got this right, he would be able to hear Jesus and indeed the Apostle Paul and other biblical teachers sharing and preaching. Wouldn't that be a wonder? I want to tune it. It beats Premier Radio, doesn't it? Well, as disciples and as a church, we need to tune in. We need to listen. By prayer and commitment, we need to heed the word that is of and from God. We need to say and do the things that Christ alone would have us say and do. We need to be clothed in Christ. We need to be the people and the fellowship that he alone would have us be. And when we do, we will be well and truly rewarded. Indeed, we will get to win the race to paradise through the power and the strength and the wonder of that which is the grace of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.